The Second Circuit has remanded Nigerian Trovan human experimentation claims to a federal court in the United States, and Pfizer takes a $2.3 billion charge to settle Bextra off-label claims. These and other stories make up this edition of the LexisNexis Product Liability and Tort Law Center podcast. The LexisNexis Torts Law Center podcast, a summary of recent litigation news involving toxic torts and products liability from the pages of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. LexisNexis Podcasts. Voted top legal oriented podcasts in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100, the annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers, as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. A divided panel of the Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has again remanded to a federal court lawsuits filed by Nigerians who say Pfizer conducted improper experiments on children during a 1996 bacterial meningitis epidemic in that country. The majority found that the Alien Tort Statute does not bar claims that Pfizer experimented without informed consent and that intervening political developments in Nigeria required revising a finding of forum nonconvenience. The majority said the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York, quote, incorrectly determined that the prohibition in customary international law against non-consensual human medical experimentation cannot be enforced through the Alien Tort Statute, unquote. The majority also found circumstances in Nigeria have changed since the filing of the appeal and require re-examination of the appropriate forum, albeit on a different legal basis than that employed by the district court. During the epidemic, Pfizer allegedly gave some infected children Trovan in order to get clinical data to support regulatory approval for use in children. Numerous plaintiffs alleged that five children treated with Trovan died and others were left blind, deaf, paralyzed, or brain damaged. They said they did not give informed consent. Two lawsuits filed in the U.S. federal courts were dismissed for forum nonconvenience and for lack of jurisdiction under the ATS. The cases were remanded and again dismissed before the current appeal. Settlement negotiations are reportedly ongoing in Nigeria. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Emerging Drugs and Devices Editor Tom Moylan. Pfizer has taken a $2.3 billion charge against earnings for an agreement in principle with a federal prosecutor to settle investigations that it marketed Bextra for off-label uses. Pfizer made the disclosure in its quarterly earnings report. A brief entry reported that fourth quarter results were affected by the $2.3 billion pre-tax and after-tax charge resulting from an agreement in principle with the office of Michael Sullivan, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Massachusetts, to resolve previously disclosed investigations regarding allegations of past off-label promotional practices concerning Bextra as well as other open investigations. Pfizer made no other disclosures about the settlement, and Sullivan also made no statement. No actions have been filed in the district court. In its November 11th Form 10-Q report filed with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, Pfizer reiterated there was a pending investigation by the U.S. Justice Department of the marketing of the company's COX-2 medicines, particularly Bextra. The settlement may be a record. On January 14th, Eli Lilly and Company paid $1.41 billion in fines, forfeiture, and settlement after a federal prosecutor investigated it for off-label marketing of the antipsychotic drug Zyprexa. The Justice Department described that settlement as a record. 
In October, Pfizer settled almost all personal injury, consumer fraud, and state attorneys general claims involving Bextra for $894 million. The California Supreme Court has let stand an appeals court ruling that the brand name manufacturer of a drug may be liable for a failure to warn claim involving the generic version of the drug. Elizabeth Conti was prescribed a generic version of Reglan for almost four years. She was diagnosed with a permanent neurological disorder similar to Parkinson's disease and sued Wyeth, the original manufacturer of Reglan, and several generic manufacturers. She alleged the company's new physicians tend to prescribe Reglan and its generics beyond the approved 12-week course, and that the drug's warning label, which is based on the brand name label, understates serious risks from extended use. The trial court ruled in favor of Wyeth, finding that neither Conti nor her doctor relied on information from Wyeth and that Wyeth had no duty of care to users of generic equivalents of Reglan. The First District Court of Appeal reversed, and Wyeth and the generic defendants petitioned the California Supreme Court for review. Wyeth said the appeals court's ruling radically expanded the liability of name-brand drug manufacturers and departs from numerous decisions around the country. A Rhode Island state court judge has ruled the state is responsible for all costs and expenses associated with two co-examiners, also known as special masters, who were appointed to oversee abatement issues related to the state's public nuisance lawsuit against the former makers of lead paint. On July 1st, the Rhode Island Supreme Court overturned a state court verdict that found Sherwin-Williams, Millennium Holdings, and NL Industries liable for creating a public nuisance by promoting and distributing lead paint in the state. Shortly after that ruling, the paint company sought reimbursement of more than $240,000 in costs and expenses. The state argued that sovereign immunity barred any liability on its part for the expenses and that only the Rhode Island General Assembly could waive sovereign immunity. But Providence County Superior Court Judge Michael Silverstein, the same judge who presided over the trial phase of the case, said the issue of who pays the fees and costs is at least partly determined by which party prevailed in the lawsuit. And he said it would be unjust to require the paint companies to now pay costs for which the Rhode Island Supreme Court had ruled they are not liable. Rhode Island Attorney General Patrick Lynch said he is considering an appeal. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Lead Litigation Report Editor, James Cordray. A New York federal judge last week ruled that the federal ban on the sale of children's toys containing more than 0.1% of phthalates applies to toys made before the ban was enacted by Congress. In August, Congress banned distribution of toys with more than one-tenth of one percent of phthalates beginning on February 10, 2009. The Consumer Product Safety Commission interpreted the law as not applying to phthalate-containing toys made before that date. The National Resource Defense Council, Incorporated, and Public Citizen filed suit for a declaration that the agency opinion violates the Administrative Procedure Act. Granting summary judgment to the plaintiffs, the court said, quote, the phthalate prohibitions unambiguously apply to existing inventory and that the commission's opinion to the contrary must be set aside, end of quote. A Vermont couple whose seven-year-old son was hospitalized with salmonella poisoning after eating Keebler peanut butter crackers filed a lawsuit in federal court in Georgia last month alleging the boy was among hundreds of people sickened in the nationwide outbreak linked to peanut butter products. 
The Keebler crackers are among those recalled by Kellogg's, which listed Peanut Corporation as one of its suppliers. The Food and Drug Administration has traced the salmonella outbreak to a Peanut Corporation plant in Blakely, Georgia. The boy allegedly continues to suffer from lingering complications of his salmonella infection. In late January, his parents amended their complaint to allege punitive damages after the FDA released a report detailing violations at the defendant's plant and alleging the company knowingly released a product that could have been contaminated. The Second District California Court of Appeal has held that an asthmatic apartment tenant has standing to pursue a nuisance claim against her landlord for failing to restrict smoking in outdoor common areas. But the court says she cannot pursue federal disability-based claims. In 2006, then five-year-old Melinda Burke's father sued Oakwood Worldwide, the owner of the Woodland Hills, California apartment complex where she lives with her parents. A nuisance cause of action stemmed from Oakwood's failure to limit secondhand smoke in the outdoor common areas. Oakwood prohibits smoking in all indoor units and indoor common areas, but allegedly refused several requests from John Burke on behalf of his asthmatic daughter to ban smoking in the outdoor common areas. The Los Angeles County Superior Court found Melinda lacked standing because the complaint did not contain sufficient facts to show why her asthma and symptoms of allergic reaction to secondhand smoke were any different from those suffered by the general public from the same exposure. But the Court of Appeal found an amended complaint satisfies the basic rules of pleading. It said when a nuisance is a private as well as public one, there is no requirement that a plaintiff suffer damage different from that suffered by the general public. Further, the majority said a child living with her family in a rented apartment has standing to bring a private nuisance claim based on interference with her right to enjoy the rented premises. As to the ADA claim, however, the court agreed with Oakwood that the ADA does not apply to apartments and condominiums. A New York man has filed a class action lawsuit against Philip Morris USA seeking millions of dollars in restitution alleging the tobacco company's Marlboro Lights brand does not meet the claims the company makes for it. Smoker Bryant Tang of Queens County, New York, sued Philip Morris in the Eastern District of New York. Tang alleges that, beginning in at least 1971, Philip Morris engaged in unfair and deceptive practices aimed at inducing cigarette smokers to continue smoking, in the face of growing public awareness of a connection between smoking and lung diseases like cancer, by designing, developing, and marketing Marlboro Light cigarettes as having lowered tar and nicotine, despite knowing such claims to be false. A Minnesota federal judge has allowed St. Jude Medical Incorporated, the maker of allegedly defective heart valves, to join its insurance broker in a dispute with a high-level excess liability insurance company that denied coverage for product claims. American Insurance Company filed the action seeking a determination that it has no duty to defend or indemnify St. Jude with respect to claims arising from allegedly defective heart valves. St. Jude filed counterclaims for breach of contract and moved to add its former insurance agent, Willis of Minnesota, as a party to assert claims against Willis for negligence, negligent misrepresentation, and breach of fiduciary duty related to its procurement of the policy. St. Jude argued Willis has an interest in avoiding a determination that the policy does not cover the underlying claims, and that if Willis is not joined, St. Jude may be subject to inconsistent obligations if no coverage is available and a court in a separate action concerning Willis reaches a different conclusion. 
St. Jude argued that it could be left with a $50 million gap in insurance coverage. You're listening to the LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast. If you'd like more details on these and other stories, visit www.lexisnexus.com slash or go to the LexisNexis community page at www.lexisnexus.com communities and click on the Torts Law link. The LexisNexis Product Liability and Toxic Torts Practice Center podcast was written by the editors of Mealy Publications, Current and Targeted Legal News and Litigation Reports, Copyright 2008 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, Total Practice Solutions. I'm Michael Lefkowitz. Thanks for listening.